everybody. This is Mark. Welcome to another episode of this Poor Pastors Podcast. I hope you're having a great week so far. I'm releasing this episode on a Monday, so if you're listening to it on a Monday, I hope it's a good one. But whenever you choose to listen to this episode, and wherever you are, I hope you're seeing evidence of God's goodness in your life. I hope that you're being encouraged by the content that I'm producing here and being challenged. If you're brand new to this podcast, welcome aboard. I'm glad you're here. I want you to know you can reach out to me anytime at my email, thispoorpastor at gmail.com, and I will do my best to respond and to be whatever encouragement I can be. I've got some exciting and I hope encouraging, exciting to me, and I hope encouraging things to you planned over this coming year that I'll let you know in about as we go forward. But today, today, I'm just going to talk about some feedback I received from last week's episode or two weeks ago on seeing God in the rearview mirror, some other comments that I've received and clarify some things and uh, provide some additional information. Then we're going to get into today's topic, which is all about prayer. I know, it's talk to death, but why is something that's so integral to the Christian life something that is still such a mystery? That's a mystery to me. But we're going to talk about it today, specifically about the model of prayer, sometimes called contemplative prayer. It's a model of prayer that was not well discussed when I was growing up in my faith tradition, but it's something that I've found to be incredibly beneficial. I think you will as well. Maybe you already know about it and you can send me an email of where I'm getting it all wrong. But for the rest of us, I think you're going to learn something today that when put into practice is going to bring dividends in your spiritual life that you never thought possible. That's what we're going to talk about in just a moment. So we've been talking this year about some of the new directions and some of the things that I'm learning and some and my move toward a messy faith. And thank you for all of you who have reached out with phone calls or emails or text messages letting me know how those uh, episodes have been an encouragement to you and a challenge to you. That's really encouraging to me. I've been trying to encourage my church in the matter of seeing God in the rearview mirror. In fact, I just said to our church yesterday morning, the easiest way to see God is in the rearview mirror. You might recognize that because I just said that on this podcast two weeks ago. It's amazing to me how often people know that but never think about it. It's like an epiphany when you say it because, of course, that's the best way to see God in the rearview mirror. And as with many of us, When looking in the side rear mirrors of our vehicle, we see a sign that says objects in mirror may be closer than they appear. The truth of the matter is when you see God in the rear view mirror of your life, he is closer than he appears. It is not necessary to only see God in the rear view mirror. I said that's the easiest way to see God. But I think the more you learn to see God in the rear view mirror, the more familiar you will get with how God interacts with you in your life Because I don't think he interacts the same way in each individual's life because God is a person and we are persons. And so just like no two relationships in my life are exactly the same, though I am the same person in all of those relationships, 
So God, who is the same person in all relationships, may interact with me in a different way than he interacts with my wife, because my wife and I are not the same person. So as you listen to me talk about how God interacts in my life, don't feel like if you're not seeing that in your own life, then that means God isn't interacting with you. God knows you, and he may be looking and he no doubt is interacting with you and trying to uh, and trying to interact with you in a way that works in your life. You just need to figure out how what that is and how that is. And then you and I will begin to see God more often and sense God more often in our present as we get used to how he does it in the past. That is the best way to decode the present is by looking at the past. Since the nature of God is unchanging, and I said the nature of God is unchanging, then we have confidence that how he has dealt with us in the past is how he'll deal with us in the future. However, God is unimaginably imaginative, (laughs) and he often adjusts and pivots in our lives when we're in different places in our life as, as we grow. God may interact with us as a child in a way that he doesn't interact with us as an adult because as a child we viewed the world one way and as an adult we view the world a different way. I want you to remember that God is a person. No, God is a spirit, right? God is a spirit person. And they, those persons who would worship him, must worship him in spirit. So the spirit of their person must worship the spirit person of of God. God is a person. He's a personal God. He has thoughts and feelings and emotions, and he interacts with us. He responds to us. And as a person, he develops that relationship with us. So that's the first thing that I would say with some people that, that, that uh, reached out to me about seeing God in the rearview mirror. I've been challenging our church in this regard, specifically our young people. And I've been challenging our young people, one young lady in particular, Every week, I could see it on her face when I was talking about how God had shown up in my life that week. I could see that she was troubled because she was trying to figure out whether this was for real or not. So I started talking to her and I was like, hey, I'll call her Susie. That's not her name, but every imaginary girl is Susie. I said, hey, Susie, how have you seen God show up in your life this week? And she would just shake her head and say, nope, he hasn't. And I said, no, he's there. You just got to look for him. Tell him in your prayer time, Lord, I want to see you in my life this week. Week after week went by and she would just shake her head. Nope, not this week. Nope, not this week. Well, two weeks ago on a Wednesday night, she came running into our Wednesday night gathering and said, Pastor, God showed up in my life this week. I saw him. And I thought, "Uh oh, now I've got her seeing visions, you know, but no, when it came to the testimony time where I asked people, how did God show up in your life this week? She raised her hand and she shared some event that had happened in her life that she said, that was God. God showed up. He did that for me. Again, do I know? Could you rationalize away the experience that that little girl had? Probably, if you wanted to, if you were that kind of a mean person. But I was thrilled because here I had a young girl for the first time in her life looking around and seeing evidence of the goodness of God. There's a song, I don't remember which group plays it, but I love the song and it's always a challenge to me to refocus my my vision. And it says, I see the evidence of your goodness 
all over my life. I want that to be the case. I sing those words and it's not my experience, but I'm learning to have it be my experience. In order to see something, you have to look for it. During the pandemic, our medical director here in our state said something that I think is true, though I wished it wasn't because of what they did with with that truth. He said, when you go looking for something, you tend to find it. And isn't that true? If you look for flaws in your church, you'll find them. If you look for flaws in your spouse, you'll find them. If we look for flaws in our children, we'll find them. If we look for flaws in ourselves, ironically, we never find them. But they're there. We tend to find what we look for. If we choose to look for the good things in our lives and in our churches and in our spouses and in our children and in our coworkers, we'll find those as well. But I've found that it's hard to have more than one focus at a time. And so you can give in to becoming negative. Well, I think it's the same with seeing God in our lives, whether it's in the rearview mirror or in the present. We have to determine what our focus is and start looking for it and be willing to say, I don't know if this is God in my life or not, but here's something good that's happening. And I know God as, as love desires to do good in my life. So I'm going to thank him for it. And I'm going to acknowledge, God, thank you for being in my life. As I was making that, uh, that trip to see my family last week, I had to fly from Boston, Massachusetts to Denver, Colorado to Dallas, Texas. That is really, really roundabout. And there was a snowstorm and my flights almost got canceled. It was very stressful. And I, I was, I don't fly well. I'm a stressful flyer. I don't, until I'm sitting on the plane and we take off, I only, I breathe a sigh of relief, but then it starts all over again at the next connection. I don't fly well. And I was, I could feel the tension rising in my, in my heart as I was getting ready to fly and, and the flight date was getting closer. And I said, Lord, I just want to trust you. I want to trust that you're going to be with me as I go through this. That if I ask you to direct my steps, if I listen for your voice, that you will bring me peace and calm in, this, in the midst of my turmoil and that you will show me that you are with me in this. And then I thought, what a stupid thing for me to buy these tickets. Why did I fly from, from Boston to Denver to Dallas? And, oh, Lord, show me. It was a long, exhausting day. And I said, Lord, I just want to know that flying to Denver wasn't the dumbest choice, that you have been with me in this and that you are watching over me and you're traveling with me. Well, so I flew from Boston to Denver. Then I flew from Denver to Dallas. And when I got to Dallas at midnight, I went to the rental car counter which is another story altogether. And I went out, uh, got checked in, went out to the car that I, was, that I was renting. Not only was it not a compact car, it was a beautiful brand new Dodge Challenger GT. Fast, fast car. But I looked on the license plate and it said Colorado. Now, you could interpret that any way you wanted to interpret it. Interpret it. But since I had just flown and I was questioning whether or not I would make the right choice in flying from Boston to Denver instead of Boston to Atlanta or any of the number of things. And I asked God, just let me know if you're with me. When I saw this rental car of all the license plates that could have been on it also being Colorado, it was almost like God was saying to me, I've been with you this whole time. You're good. I got you. And I even gave you this cool car. Again, I can't convince a cynic 
And maybe all of that was one huge coincidence. I'm cool with that. But for me, it was like, this is what God does. This is how he does things in my life. I've learned that this is how God just lets me know that, hey, I'm here. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're doing well. Keep after it. You're not alone. I talked about a book of remembrance and some people reached out to me and said, I've started a book of remembrance and I'm glad that you have. And I hope that you will continue to write things down in that book of remembrance. My recommendation when it comes to the book of remembrance is write things down as soon as possible and don't think too hard about whether you got it right or whether you got it wrong. I don't think it's as important for you to decide 100% whether this is just a coincidence or whether this is God. I do believe that not everything that happens in your life is a direct action of God. But as a child of God, I believe that the scripture teaches God is at work in my life. So I'm good with you writing something down in there that may or may not be God. Like maybe it was just a random coincidence that I flew from Denver to get a rental car that also said Colorado. That could have been a coincidence. I chose to receive it that in a certain way. And what's wrong with smiling up to heaven and saying, thank you, Lord, for being with me on this trip, rather than saying, you know, brickety bracka and, and cursing under my breath. So write things down in that book of remembrance. Go back regularly and reread the stories that you wrote. You'd be surprised what a different form they take on when you read them later and how you've already forgotten and begun to forget how you felt. So when you write things in your book of remembrance, don't just write what happened, write how it made you feel. And go back and revisit those things. Go back and revisit those things. And I had, so I had people reach out and say, look, I've been, I've been looking. I, I love the stories people are sharing with me about, about things and coincidences and uh, um, things that are being worked out. And they're saying, I, 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 that was probably God. I think that was God. I'm, that's awesome. Keep doing that. Keep looking back over your life to see God in the rearview mirror. One good friend of mine, as well as someone that I don't know very well, reached out to ask me about that examen that I talked about. And two people have expressed that they struggled with the, the part of the examen process where you're asking God for light and said, you know, I really struggle with that part. The part of the examen or the examen or the examen, however you want to say it, examen sounds like eczema, but the examen is you start by asking God for light. This is a this it's no specific length of time that you do this. But if this is difficult for you to do, I think one of the things that may help you is to recognize that what you're doing essentially is you're inviting God to walk down your memory lane for the over the last uh, 24 hours or however many hours you were awake in the last 24 hours. When I do this, whether I'm doing it in the shower or doing it laying in my bed at night, it goes something like this. Hey, Father, I'm getting ready to look over the day that's just passed. Bring to my mind things that I might have forgotten. Show me where you were at various times in my day. Something that may have seemed insignificant. Shine your light on that. Let me know what you want me to focus on. Just come along with me on the walk. And then I begin to walk through my day from the earliest memory. And I take my time. The way our memories work, we tend to focus on the highlights. But the beauty of the examine process is I'm taking time. I'm slowing down. 
as if I was trying to write out everything that happened that day. I'm trying to relive it in my mind. And there are memories and things that I picked up that have been kind of set to the side as unimportant. And sometimes the evidence of God in my life is in the smallest of details. So I slow down, I take some time, I've invited God to come along on the journey with me. And very often some small detail of my day will pop into my mind as I'm going through the day, something that I had forgotten even happened that day. And God will be like, right there. There I was. You see me? I was right there. So asking God for light is simply inviting God along on your journey down memory lane or up memory lane, however you want it, whatever direction you're going. Starting at the beginning and working to the present moment. That's, that's all it is. God, just come along with me. And if there's something, it's like when, you're, when you drive somewhere with an individual who's very, very familiar with that area and they point out to you things that you might otherwise miss, that's what it means to ask God for light. You're inviting God onto the journey of your memories to say, hey, if, if you see something important, point it out to me. Does it happen every single time? Nope. Sometimes I just get through the day and I'm like, thank you for getting me to this point in my day. I'm not sure exactly where you were, but I know that you were there just because I'm here. So thanks for joining me on my day. And then I go, and then I move on in the process. I'm taking time to address all of these things because I'm getting ready now in the time I have left to encourage you in regards to a model of prayer that is called the contemplative prayer model, or at least that's what some people call it, and that's what I call it. It's, some people would call it meditation, prayer. And if you, like me, struggle with focus, with sitting still, with just being, this model will be both incredibly challenging for you, but it will reap dividends in your life as you develop the um, discipline. Some people don't like thinking about prayer as a discipline, but it, actually, it, it absolutely is. When I hear people say, well, prayer is just a relationship and it's just me talking with God and blah, 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 blah. I, I hear you, but I just, I don't buy it. I've been a Christian far too long and been in church all my life. And I know how weak and anemic people's prayers are. I mean, come on. I listen to people pray. I listen to pastors pray before they preach, and it just sounds like they're just going through the motions because it's time to pray. There's no spirit. There's no life in their prayer. I listen in, in the average prayer meeting when you call upon someone to pray, and it's obvious that they're uncomfortable talking to the person that they're talking to right now. Prayer is a discipline. Prayer is something that takes Time. And there are aspects of prayer that are easier than others. I think there's at least four, maybe five parts of the discipline of prayer. There is a contemplative or meditative prayer model. There is an intercessory prayer model. There is a petitionary prayer model. There is a praise prayer model. And what is the fifth one? Seems like there's a fifth one. Oh, um, the the confession prayer model. So there's prayers. Uh, there's there's the um, contemplative, intercessory, 
petitionary, I'm asking for things. Intercessory is when I'm praying for other people. Intercessory, prayer, uh, petitionary prayer is when I'm asking for things for myself. There is the um, uh, confessional prayer model. That's where I'm confessing my sins to God. I guess you could put that under petitionary, but I keep it separate. And then there is the praise prayer model, time spent in prayer, just praising God and thanking him for who he is. And all five of those models deserve to be talked about. I'm actually working on a small ebook that I'll be releasing later this year, going over all five of those models in a short and helpful way uh, to give you some practice tips and some ways to, to develop those areas in your life. One of the th areas that I believe in the... Um, whether you want to call it evangelical or Protestant, Baptist, fundamental prayer circles, one of those, one of the areas that I think is probably most ignored and neglected is the contemplative prayer model. Contemplative prayer is more about learning to be in the presence of God, learning to sense it, to feel it, to focus your mind on the presence of God. You're not asking for anything in particular other than for God to come and just be with you. Now, again, that's going to make some people nervous. That sounds like new agey stuff. It's not new agey stuff. In, in scripture, for example, there's the well-known passage. It's on all, I have it in my, I have it in my office right now, right over my, right over my desk is, is Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. Now, I know that, that that verse wasn't just necessarily talking about sitting alone in an empty room somewhere and humming to yourself, and that's not what I'm talking about either. But there is a sense in which in order to know that God is God, in order to sense the presence of God, in order to be in the presence of God, we have to be able to shut out the noise, not only of the world around us, but the noise in our own head and in our own heart. The contemplative prayer model allows God to just come or allows us to come into the presence of God. It allows us to become aware of the presence of God. It takes time. And because it takes time and because it is so foreign to some of us, it is a challenge. But it is something that I know that you can do. And it is something that, again, will be of tremendous blessing to you. The contemplative prayer model means that you're going to set aside time. And you could start very, very small. It doesn't have to be a large period of time. Don't say, I'm just going to go sit quietly with God for an hour. That would be wonderful. But for many of you, within the first 60 seconds, you're going to be thinking about, you know, last night's football game and the upcoming meetings at work and your mind's just going to be all over the place. And you're not going to make it for an hour being in the presence of God. Better to start small, small steps. You can always grow in this area. Not only that, but many of us have incredibly busy schedules. And the idea of set us, setting aside an hour a day just to sit and be in the presence of God is both impossible and impractical. So well, I'll get up an extra hour before I go to work. Well, then you'll be sleeping in the presence of God, which, you know, is what it is, but it probably isn't what you're trying to accomplish. So set your expectations appropriately. If you have never tried contemplative prayer before, set, um, set five minutes, five solid minutes. I forget who it was that said it, but I read a quote somewhere that 
Most problems in the world could be solved if people could focus their minds for five minutes on a given problem. It's harder than you think. I mean, for people who are so good at obsessing about problems and 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 um, irritations day in and day out, and some of you who can't sleep because your mind is is buzzing with all the things that could go wrong, you think, well, I could do that. It's actually harder. Our minds are very undisciplined. To focus our mind on something, God or otherwise, is much more challenging than you might think. So start small. Find five minutes of your time. And the goal in this five minutes is not to talk to God specifically where we're asking him for things or anything. What we're trying to accomplish is to still our hearts and our minds and to invite the presence of God into our life in a tangible way for that for that time. It probably won't happen in the entirety of the five minutes. It might you might not even notice it in the first time you try it. Maybe the first week that you try it. This it's a discipline, and like any discipline, it takes time. When I first started doing this, it was very frustrating because I felt like I spent the entire time just trying to rein in my wild, undisciplined mind, and I thought this is impossible. I gave myself excuses. I have attention deficit. I, my mind jumps from one thing to another. I could never do this and everything in me screamed this is stupid you can't do it you weren't made this way and but I just I had someone in my life who spoke into my life and they said Mark just keep after it keep after it don't give up it's worth it you know there's that there's the psalm where, where David comes before the Lord and he says search me O God and know my thoughts Try me and know my reins, and I might be getting that backwards, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. The idea of being in the house of God, in, in, the, in the presence of God, and just existing, just enjoying that presence, is it's phenomenal. So, let's say you're going to start with five minutes. What do you do? The first thing you do is find a place to... Be still. You need to be able to be still to minimize distractions. If you need to have a timer set for five minutes, find a way to set a timer that you don't have to keep checking. You don't want to keep looking at a clock. You want to set a timer. Maybe it's on your smartwatch or on your phone. But if you're going to use your phone, it needs to be completely silent except for that timer. Or get a kitchen timer. I don't care. But, but set a timer so that you can stop thinking about how much time is passing and just focus on the moment. Okay. So you're going to set a timer, let's say for five minutes. Then you're going to pick something that helps you to focus on your heart and mind on God. There are massive amounts of, of scripture that just talk about God, the presence of God, you can take Psalm 4610 and just say to yourself, be still and know that I am God. Some people say, come Lord Jesus. I, I, I read where, where one person would just begin to, to pray and say over to themselves, Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. Again, if this is weird to you, I'm sorry. I'm, I know the truth and the benefit of what I'm talking about. Focusing your mind. Repetition in meditation 
is a, is a, is a powerful tool to focus our mind on a given thing. Focus our mind on God. As I'm sitting or as I'm standing, I can, you could even do it walking. We could talk about that. But you, you're somewhere where you're stilling your mind. No distractions. Okay? So preferably in a room somewhere. You could even do it on your bathroom break. I don't care. I breathe in through my nose and out through my mouth. Focusing on, on just... Focusing on how stressed out my body is. We, we live in a stressful time. Feels like a, an elephant sitting on our chest and our heart is pumping and, the, and our muscles are tense. Your calves are tense. Your shoulders are tense. Your neck is tense. You have a tension headache right now while you're listening to this. So breathing is one of the most important ways to relax. Breathing helps us manage pain. Breathing helps us calm our heartbeat. I want to listen to God and I want to still my mind so that I can just become aware of the presence of God in my life. So I breathe in through my nose and I breathe slowly out through my mouth all while I'm thinking about it. One of my favorite passages of scripture says, and they shall say, this is the Lord. We have waited for him. This is our God. We have waited for him. And so sometimes I'll breathe in And I'll breathe out, and I'll say, this is the Lord. I've waited for him. Lord, I'm waiting for you. Now, again, I'm not trying to fill this up with my my speech. So I'll say it, and then I'll just think about God. I'll think about God, about his mercy, about his goodness. I'm not trying to formulate a sermon. I'm just dwelling on God. Call it daydreaming if you want to, like you used to daydream about your spouse before they were your spouse, and you just thought about them. Time would, would, would pass without even knowing it because you were lost in thinking about them. Well, God is with us. He, the Holy Spirit is in us, and this is a way that we can, uh, that we can I'll use the term tap in, if you want to, to the presence of God in our life. Now, sit still for the entirety of the five minutes. And if all you accomplish in that five minutes is working to discipline your mind to focus on God for five minutes, then that's five minutes well spent. But as you do this, and I would be happy to answer any questions you might have about it, send me a text, send me an email. We can, I'd love to talk to you more about it. But as you do it, as time passes, as the days pass, I promise you that one of the things that happens is you will get better at stilling your mind, stilling your heart, stilling your body, letting go of the butterflies in your stomach, and you will become aware of God's presence with you in your, in your, in your life, in, in that very room. Your mind will cease from just you know, running around to this problem, that problem, your, your next appointment, all these things, and you will just be thinking and focusing on God, focusing on His Word. And it will get to where... At first, you just be, will be waiting for the, for the timer to go off so this, this painful exercise can be done. But I promise you, as time goes by, when that timer goes off, you'll be like, oh, Lord, this has been so good. I wish I could do it longer. And you will. You'll find more time to do it. 
contemplative prayer is not all there is to prayer. If you say, well, that's all I want to do, and then God will take care of the rest. It's only one aspect to prayer. But spending time in quiet meditation, thinking about God, contemplating God, learning to sense him, to feel him, to listen for his voice. I'm not asking him for anything other than just to come and let me be with him or come and be with me. God desires to be with you. This is one of the ways that you will become better at sensing God's presence in your life throughout the day. As you become aware of what it means, what it feels like to sense the presence of God in your life. I really don't care if somebody hears it and say, well, that's just wacko stuff. Mark's all wacko. I, you know, I don't think anybody's saying that, but if you are, I challenge you to try it. I know the benefit and experience, the benefit it has been in my own life. Contemplative prayer is, it's amazing. And it's appropriate. Don't let the fact that the New Agers do their, their, their yoga and their meditations and all of these things. We're not talking about emptying ourselves. We're talking about focusing our attention on the presence of God in us. Asking God to fill us up. We're not emptying ourselves out. We're asking God to fill us up. So just because the enemy has taken uh, something that is good and twisted it so that now Christians don't want anything that looks like meditation, breathing exercises, what the heck is that? It's a way for us to step out of the busyness of our life to say, Lord, I really do want to dwell in your presence. All I've got is five minutes today, but it's yours. Come and sit with me, Lord. Come and be with me. And my challenge to you would be the challenge of Psalm 4610. Be still. And know that he's God. Well, we're out of time for today, boys and girls. 33 minutes and 40 seconds at this point. But you know, the truth of the matter is, it is not always easy to be still. And contemplative prayer is a wonderful discipline that can enrich your relationship with God and help you see him better. I hope that helps. I'd love to have a word of prayer with you and for you. As we go through this week, that God would go with you and show you his presence and his power. Let's pray. Lord, I love you. Thank you for your patience with me and how you've showed me in my life that you're there. Still, Lord, there are days I wonder where you are, but I know you're there. And I ask that you would speak into the hearts and minds of those listening, transform their life as they seek to set aside time to contemplate, to meditate, to be in your presence. Lord, let them hear your voice. Let them feel your Holy Spirit with them and encourage us, renew us. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Watch over and protect your dear children this week. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good week, everybody. I'll see you next time, whenever that is. Thispoorpastor at gmail.com if you want to reach out. We'll talk soon.